Hi everyone, welcome to the Blue Sky Podcast, Two Pints of Lager and a Spreadsheet. I'm Dave Gibson, I'm here with my co-founder, John Dudgeon. Today our special guest is Emma Wittenstall, the Strategic Partnership Manager at Generator Union and Exec Director at the Festival of Thrift. On this week's episode, we'll be chatting about why you don't need a, a career plan at 21 to be a success in business. Drinking beer in Saltwell Park in Gateshead. And thrift. So, Emma, that was about yourself. Yeah. Where, where, where are you now and where have you come from? In a matter of speaking. <laughs> I am sat at home in my uh, office bedroom looking out at the beautiful sunshine and trying to keep it out of my eyes. Um, where have I come from? Downstairs from the kitchen where I made a peppermint tea because I'd had enough coffee already. <laughs> that sounds like a journey worth exploring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so currently, I believe um, you are the Generator Strategic Partnerships Manager. Yes, indeed. And, a uh, title. You are also uh, absolutely, yeah, and uh, that must be a big business card. Uh, <laughs> and you, you're also doing some work for the fascinatingly dis- uh, titled Festival of Thrift. Yes, indeed. I am indeed. Executive Director at Festival of Thrift. Yes, another lofty title. I'm, I'm collecting them. <laughs> So we start with the Festival of Thrift. What's that all about? Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, we've just celebrated our 10-year anniversary of Festival of Thrift, actually, um, which welcomed 50,000 people to um, a beautiful uh, greenfield site in um, Redcar called Kirk Leatham. Um, and Festival of Thrift is all about celebrating sustainability um, in a really accessible way for families, for everybody um, to get involved through arts and culture, uh, skill sharing, um, and things like that to explore sustainability, reuse, reduce, recycle, upcycle, all of those wonderful things with uh, workshops and talks and just something for everybody, really. It's, it's huge and fun and a celebration of sustainability. It's absolutely lush. I say 50,000 sounds like a mini Glastonbury. That must take some organising. Uh, yeah, I mean, it does. Uh, I mean, I don't do any of the hard stuff. That's everybody else. We've got an amazing team. Um, but yeah, it's it, it, it really lends itself to the site that we've been on in Redco for the last seven years, which has got forest and field and a school and a walled garden and a museum. And it's it's lovely. So it's spread out over the whole village and it's it, it feels really nice. The audience kind of go on a journey through through all these spaces and, and see something different wherever they go. But um, of course, so, from so next... so it, is it like Glastonbury, Emma? Is it like camping and all that kind of stuff? Is that is that what goes on? Or there's there's no way. camping and much less drug taking, John. I think <laughs> <laughs> you won't you won't see Dave there. Then <laughs> not interested in the bar, to be honest. But, uh... <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yeah. what I should say is it's an absolutely free festival, so you know you can go there and and do loads of workshops and pay pay to do things like that. But also you can go with your family and get on the bus, walk from Redcar, take a picnic, and and go for the day and not spend a penny. Um, hence the name festival of thrift it's not just about sustainability but it's about thrifty living as well and and especially this year is so important with the cost of living crisis 
um, to be able to share those kind of forgotten skills that people used to do all the time, like your parents' generation of, of you know, growing their own veg and, and everything else that went along kind of with that thrifty lifestyle. And actually, um, this year we had Darlington Building Society on board doing um, kind of cost of living budgeting and family family kind of financial planning uh, workshops for people as well, which was an added bonus that was really good to be able to kind of give some of that really practical advice to people as well at such a difficult time. Um, that actually sounds pretty amazing and, and absolutely of its time, even though it's been for seven years, it's never been more relevant, I'm sure, than um than, than today it puts our uh, our work with net zero now into perspective i think uh <laughs> we're on a drive to be net zero by 2025 as an organization by the way it's well achievable absolutely well achievable yeah well, i think uh, the next zero thing's really hard to really hard for most organizations to get their head around and you know we've been banging the drum on this for 10 years but that doesn't mean us as an organization is perfect we we have a strategy in place we you know we record our carbon from travel and things like that as well um and setting ourselves targets of how we can improve as an organization this year we um we did a design challenge actually a, a green power design challenge which was supported by anglo-american um which was all about working with smes in the in the region to um produce a, a green powered um solution on site so um vero power a company from sunderland actually won that competition and bought this enormous solar deck to site um which powered some of the festival which was fantastic but also the fact that it was so big kind of was a conversation point for people as well it's kind of demonstrating our values in a kind of real real way for people to kind of start talking about that's um cracking i mean is this kind of thing something you've always been personally interested in so we we um in running around the school school yard as a as a six-year-old emma kind of just trying to stop people throwing stuff away and recycling sweet wrappers <laughs> i don't think my journey started that early dave but you know <laughs> um no so how it all came about um so i had this business idea so my interest in sustainability i i guess has grown with awareness like most people's like you don't it's something that you don't think about and then suddenly it kind of starts infiltrating into your mind and you and kind of you know you you start doing more and more you start with more careful recycling and kind of go from there um but kind of my whole journey with it was i had this amazing business idea of course it was amazing um <laughs> which was gonna which was around zero waste so my issue with wonderful beautiful zero waste jobs is for anybody who's got a young family like me and only has the weekend to fit a certain amount of time in it's getting to a zero waste shop with all your refillable bottles and kind of doing all that good stuff of getting getting the things that you need so this business idea was to take it around kind of the bigger business parks where you have you know you, you, the likes of sage with thousands of people working out of somewhere and do a kind of mobile service mobile delivery service now this was a exceptionally well timed um that was that came about just before lockdown um and so i started putting the wheels into motion for this business and then kind of people just stopped working in big business parks and things like that so <laughs> so the brakes went on for that so 
kind of I guess I've always been interested in it and then it was just a really fortuitous kind of introduction that um, got me involved with Festival of Thrift. I actually started as a freelancer doing their talks program and in fact the first festival that I worked on was a digi digital festival because it was in 2020, it was during lockdown, um, which we which we happened to get an award for that festival so it was it was quite good. Um, but yeah that's how it all came about. I, th I think what you're saying though it's like um yeah big employers and they often look at kind of what they're doing in their office space or you know in line with their remit maybe they've got three four thousand people working for them but it's all I guess it's about those three or four thousand people taking the small things the small habits and the small changes we can all make back into their everyday lives and then suddenly there's another four or five people in the house who are doing things differently and kind of on it goes uh, I guess that's where the the next stage is with sustainability now yeah, yeah. exactly exactly that it starts with the individual and uh, the shift of thrift we like to call it mm -hmm. um, <laughs> um and yeah you're so right but also on the flip side of that I think there is far too much uh pressure on the consumer to be responsible for all of this kind of thing and that feeling of guilt that oh god I didn't put that in the recycling or I didn't rinse it properly and now it might not get recycled yeah. it, you know actually it all comes back to what are the larger corporates the organizations doing about their own sustainability why should we be the ones having to recycle this stuff why can't they think more cleverly about their packaging etc etc I could start mm. but someone someone was saying coke bottles now the tops are attached to the bottle um, so like a small change like that so the actual plastic top stays with the rest of the bottle so straight away you're probably solving a bit of a recycling thing already you know the bottle top doesn't go into the gutter or, or whatever it is it's just small yeah. small changes isn't it it is but also uh, I mean a recent stat that I heard was two percent of plastic that you put in the recycling actually gets recycled yeah yeah so let's all just ponder on that a moment this is why people have to kind of people, organisations, corporates need to kind of rethink what they're doing drastically because they're the ones that are producing it. It shouldn't be the onus of the individual to try and clean up their mess. It's so difficult, I think, though. You get to a bin now and you're like, what? what's the bin for? Like, what? you know, it's kind of like everyone's <laughs> yeah. different. You're thinking, oh, I'm doing right here by putting the plastic bottle in there. But actually, no, this is for paper or for food waste or for this or for that. So it's kind of almost it's getting too complicated, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. A, and every local authority you go to has different things that you can put in your bins as well. So yeah. like my my family lived down in Dorset and for years they've had compost bins. That they yeah. have in their kitchens that yeah, the yeah. council come and do themselves and uh you know that's brilliant it hasn't made its way up here yet so yeah. <laughs> I, I do have a brilliant story involving uh john actually and uh, and the fact that actually they're they're, they're good at recycling as a, as a family so uh john and his family got some family friends that live kind of next door to me mm -hmm. um, and john has a son who is about a year older than their son so i met uh i, I was out and i met these these neighbors it was basically the dad uh, and the lad, neither of whom I'm sure will ever listen to this, so I'm quite safe on that. And 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 the little lad looked at me and proudly said, "I'm wearing new hand-me-downs." <laughs> <laughs> so so that come from John and yeah. and, and John's yeah. son Albert. <laughs> well, we do yeah. that recycling in our house. Basically, my husband gets uh, bored of his t-shirts and hoodies, and then I just start wearing them in bed or around the house. Work from home <laughs> uniform, in fact. <laughs> I know I think that's similar to my house as well but yeah the kids clothes going around it's it's that is amazing um yeah. we've got probably in a group of 
10 or 12 families and you know clothes just kind of go around in a circle it's quite weird when you're walking down the street and you're like I'm sh- is that my is that my child no no it's just that clothes <laughs> that's quite concerning John that you don't recognize your child apart from the clothes <laughs> that you're wearing <laughs> well yeah that's true <laughs> it's generally when I say John's kids are generally walking around the streets with with other parents <laughs> <laughs> It is a bit of a community. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh, yeah, apart from that, um, yeah, you work with Generator and Generator Union, which has um, gone through, uh, you know, revamp, rebrand, relaunch, uh, rebirth um, recently. So, so what's been happening there? Yeah, it's really exciting, actually. So, um, I mean, I, I worked at Generator about five years ago, managing the business support program. Um, And it was a really exciting time and probably one of the coolest places I've ever worked, um, which was always, always nice. I can remember going to my um, interview with Jim and I was like, oh God, what shall I wear? I can't wear something like proper smart. I I better wear a leather jacket. (laughs) (laughs) Thinking that was the way to kind of make my impression, but hey, I got the job, so it's all right. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so at that time, Generator had a massively successful um, music development program, talent development program, um, and Digital Union was also really, really um, uh, successful. Sorry, I totally forgot where I was going then. Um, Had about 140 members, uh, you know, loads going on, um, and it was great. But the one thing that I would say was it it felt quite siloed. There was the music side of the business and then there was the digital side of the business. And a lot of people who were involved in either side didn't realise we did the other thing. So generate, people would generate, but, oh, Digital Union, that's you, is it? All oh, right, well, how does that fit together? And actually, I don't think we ever really very well um, kind of actually explained how it fit together because it didn't really feel like it fit together at the time. So um, kind of fast forward to, to January this year and um, Mick Ross taking up the reins of CEO at Generator, an old friend of mine. Um, and I came back because I really believed in his vision of kind of bringing everything together into this kind of more holistic picture. So <clears throat> we sat in a room for hours, days, in fact, trying to think of a really catchy name for this new um, network and came up with Generator Union. So you can see those hours were well spent. (laughs) But actually, it was one of the first names that we came up with. And then we were like, oh, that's far too simple. That's that's kind of so a thousand stupid names came and went round around the houses. And yeah, we came back to that. But it it is exactly it exactly describes what it is. It's the union of everything that Generator does. Okay, and generators always worked across the creative and cultural sector, which includes digital. And it's all about bringing that network together because it makes it stronger. So, you know, I've had people ask me, does that mean that this isn't for digital anymore? And I'm like, no, far, far from it. You know, opening that network out to include all these other amazing creative industries that we have in the region only makes that network stronger. So it's it's great. Um, we launched in July. Um, we had our first networking event in September, which had over 100 people, which I think is actually a record for Generator Union. Um, and it was in Sunderland, which isn't our usual stomping ground, but probably the fire station had a lot to do with it because what a lovely venue that was. Um, yeah, and so now it's just uh, ramping up, 
the delivery of Generator Union and what we're going to be doing. So we've got a excellent um, event coming up that's based around accessibility in the creative and cultural sector coming up uh, next week. Um, and then we're going to be doing all sorts of interesting events around immersive tech and all sorts of stuff sprinkled with the um, wonderful networking events, which everybody loves. Generate a union, a formerly digital union for drinks and beers and and talking and chatting and yeah so so it's great you know we've already got lots of engagement from across the different subsectors of the creative industries which just shows the appetite for it but also you know that what we're doing is is kind of resonating with people and they want to get involved so it's great yeah it, it just seems to be um so much fresher than it was before and, and you're absolutely right i mean that everything just overlaps um these days i mean what 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 kind of industry uses digital techniques and tools more than music these days? For goodness sake, I mean, there's one thing sitting in the corner with your guitar, but but in terms of actually producing stuff and getting it out there to the big wide world. You know, well, exactly, exactly, and it's all about bringing these people together as well, because you never know who you're going to talk to, and where that conversation is going to go. You know, is it going to be you're going to talk to a, a filmmaker who needs some music for one for an upcoming advert or whatever it might be, you know, or a jewellery designer who needs a new website. That's all the interesting conversations that go on. Um, and, you know, what we want to see is loads of interesting creative collaboration coming out of the network and just putting us on the map in the northeast, really, of, of kind of this is a place to come to if you want to get involved in the creative industries. Cool. Um, Mick, we know used to be a used to be musician. Uh, probably still is a musician, isn't he? Yes. Uh, Mick Ross. Um, your background is more graphic design. Yeah. So, so when I first moved to Newcastle, which was <laughs> years ago, um, <laughs> I was working at um, the regional development agency One Northeast, which everybody will remember fondly. In fact, every meeting I go to, there seems to be somebody that used to work at One Northeast. <laughs> it's absolutely bizarre. Like 400 headcount or something. Stage, <laughs> it, was. it feels like it must have been about 3000, the amount of people that you meet. But anyway, um, so I, I was I was just working as a PA at the time and really wanted to do something different. This is after I'd kind of spent the last 10 years of kind of uh, my 20s gallivanting around Europe and, and generally being hedonistic and not really nailing myself down to anything. Um, I was like, well, I want to go, I want to do something creative. I want to do something different. So I kind of went along and did this graphic design course at, at Time Met, thinking that that was the direction that I wanted to go in. Um, and then about the same time, I heard of this thing called Codeworks Connect. And they were putting on this event about social media, which at the time, if you can believe it, was quite a new thing that people didn't really do much of. I think when I started working at One Northeast was when Facebook first came out, because I could just remember everybody getting in trouble for spending hours on Facebook when they were supposed to be working, because we didn't realise that people were, were monitoring what we were doing on our, our computers. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so they put on this event um, and it had Paul Smith who I think we all know, the Twitch hiker, as he was known at the time, talking about how he travelled around America uh, on, on the back of Twitter, basically, making contact with people um, on Twitter and um, just getting his way around and talking about how, how that had happened. And I was just like, oh, my God, this is really interesting. 
I want to work in the digital sector. This sounds cool. Uh, and so fast forward a year, a job actually came up at Codeworks um, and I got that job and it kind of all just started from there, really. Um, so that first event, Codeworks Connect, is actually what became Digital Union and which is now Generator Union. Um, so it all came round in one lovely, delightful circle. <laughs> Codework Connect as well is uh, one of the reasons sort of Blue Sky is probably where it is today because myself oh, really? and Dave went along to a party in Saltwell Park like uh, a long time ago and uh, we were like this is much better than hanging around with accountants. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that that was one of the first events that I worked so it had rounders and, and DJs yeah. and hog roast and all sorts didn't it? So there was yes. a chili eating competition wasn't there? Oh, was remember. Yeah, and, and yeah, remember wandering around with bottles of blood talking to potential clients, which worked, which worked as a networking activity. Brilliant. Yes, yeah. we need to do another one of those because uh, actually uh, Digital Union did a really good one at um, Wyland Brewery, which was like a, a team sports day. And I can't remember the guy's name, but we had some vicar being the uh, official adjudicator. It was <laughs> Fantastic. Everybody loves those kind of events. <laughs> they do. <laughs> they do, yeah. So that, yeah. that's probably when Herb was there as well. So he'd probably be one of your first bosses as well, I guess. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So one of my first bosses in the region. And um, actually from there, we went on to do Thinking Digital together. So Herb was obviously the director. I was the producer. And we, I think we did three together. Um, and then also did Thinking Digital in Manchester, Thinking Digital London. Um, <clears throat> yeah, great. I love doing those Thinking Digital events. And now, even more so, I love going and being a punter at Thinking Digital, which is <laughs> yeah. much better without all the stress and having the lovely <laughs> drinks and things afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. So you've um, basically you've, you've you've touched base with um, with the likes of Thinking Digital with innovation super network um briefly with uh, with, with dynamo kind of where next where next yeah, well i would like to get generate a union really embedded in the region like a year from now i'd like to see us back to those levels of having um the membership that we had back in the day of digital union that would be fantastic you know i think there's just so much scope for where we can go with that and you know, generate a more widely than just a union. We're already working on loads more kind of national partnerships, which are really going to um, raise what we're doing, raise the bar on what we're doing, but also the profile of what we're doing. Um, we have um, a music advisory board, which has got 20 music industry experts, uh, you know, heavyweights of the music industry, um, people who really know what they're talking about, who are going to come up here and talk talk to industry up here and really help with that kind of leveling up agenda that everybody likes to refer to but it's true you know mixed vision for generators to build a sustainable music industry in the northeast you know that that's got a national international reputation and you know i think he'll do it he's really good at really good at schmoozing um so it'd be just really nice to see where generator goes um, and then in terms of Festival of Thrift, we're actually moving locations. So we're going to be in Billingham from next year uh, in Stockton Council, um, which will be another challenge. It will be something new for us. Um, you know, we've always 
said that we would move around the Tees Valley. We're a Tees Valley Festival. We started in Darlington. Um, so now we move into Stockton Borough Council, at Billingham. Um, that'll be totally different because it's a town centre location. Um, but already getting excited about the, the kind of things that we can be doing there and all sorts of other plans in the pipeline for Festival of Thrift, which all um, are kind of balanced precariously on the outcome of our MPO application, which is National Portfolio Organisation for Arts Council, um, the results of which is the 26th of October, and that that will um, really sustain us as an organisation for the next three years and allow us to do lots more of exciting things beyond the festival itself. Just to quickly jump back to generate a union, um, I would advise anybody listening who's not a member to investigate being a member, you have a fairly unique um, membership fee policy. I don't know, I've sprung this on you, so I don't know if you can remember off the top of your head what that is. Well, if I didn't remember, I'd be in trouble, wouldn't I? <laughs> and thank you for the plug, Dave. <laughs> your five is in the post. Yeah, so what, yeah, the big difference, I guess, between membership now and membership as was, was we've really tried to make it accessible to everybody. We want to have a really diverse mix of people in in the membership because that makes more interesting conversations. So we have a free membership level for students, for freelancers and for startup businesses less than two years old. Um, you know, because we understand that the people that start their careers really need a network and sometimes, you know, funds can be tight. Um, so that's it's free for that level of organisation. And then the rest of it is really we've again really tried to make it accessible so it's a kind of pay what you decide model so if you're an SME you pay between a range so you know just because you're an SME doesn't mean you're the same as the next SME some of you some of you got more money than others so we've tried to make that flexible as well and you know pay monthly or pay by invoice uh, you know just allowing people to to have that freedom of how they want to pay what they want to pay um, that feels fair to them. Yep, like I say, it's pretty unique. And, you know, for anybody just wanting to dip the toe in the water, particularly for startups, um, you know, you can get you can get an F for free. So why wouldn't you um, do that? Um, next on then. Um, so you're working with Generate Union, you're working with Festival of Thrift, you've got a young family. What do you do in spare time? <clears throat> well, um, this weekend we had a spontaneous trip away in our camper van so that is the kind of staple of our home um, leisure time if you like um, so we bought a, a Mercedes high top long wheelbase sprinter for those uh, white van geeks amongst you out there um, and converted it just from an empty shell um, into our beloved camper van I say we converted it my husband converted it. I told him which tiles to put in and then I made some curtains. <laughs> <laughs> I was there for the design process, though. See, it's, all, it's all about the design. Um, and so this summer, we spent every weekend away in the van and like sometimes driving for three hours somewhere. But a lot of the time, just around about the around about our local area, which is actually incredible, all the amazing places that there are really nearby. And I think we actually enjoyed the summer holidays this year more than any other year of kind of saving all your money up for two weeks in the sun. And actually, I get really 
twitchy feet after being in a resort for two weeks. I get bored. Yeah. <laughs> There's only sitting so much sitting around the pool and watching other people's children pour their slushies into the water that I can be bothered to watch. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it was just really nice to get out and about. So that's, yeah, that's the kind of thing that we do in our spare time. And, um, yeah, absolutely love it. Have you been on or have you got any plans to go on the FDS Seaways and get over into into Holland and that sort of thing uh, from North Shields? Honestly, John, it's so expensive. Is it? Yeah, it's honestly, it's so expensive. I mean, if you compare it to flying somewhere as a family, it's probably cost the same thing, same uh, amount yeah. of money, to be fair. But it's the fact that you're doing it all yourself and you're driving and you're having to do all of that much to get it yeah it's a really expensive way of doing things and I guess once you get there it's cheaper obviously because you're staying in in campsites and I have heard that the campsites of Europe are like five star compared to what (laughs) I've heard the service stations are (laughs) (laughs) so yeah it's something that we definitely want to do um maybe next year well, like you say, there's no need, is there, um, when you've got everything on your doorstep. So, you know, why, why bother? And I think one thing with that uh, particular service is the amount of uh, Europeans coming into the northeast as well to sort of see see what we've got. I guess I guess we've got Vera to uh, thank for that and uh, other film productions that go on all around the northeast all of the time, which is probably something else, such as um, close to Generator Union's heart as well as the local film industry. Yeah, yeah. I'm ashamed to say that the only time I've ever watched Vera was uh, to look out for my father-in-law who had a walk-on um, extra part and he got chopped. He wasn't even in it. So I made a stand never to watch Vera again after that. <laughs> I, I, I do. I, personally, I do once a series managed to point at the telly for three seconds ago, that's my house, that. <laughs> As the camera pans around somewhere. I think the only time I've ever watched it was from outside your house as they were filming halfway up the street and another one or something <laughs> but yeah in, in all seriousness like there's so much going on with the the screen industry in the northeast mm-hmm. at the moment um i'm actually going to an event on wednesday about um about the the new studios that they're going to be building in sunderland which are going to be absolutely massive um you know what, gen- what's this what's this i don't know about this. oh i do not know so the um full well 93 are they called i always get the number at the end wrong um working on a huge project that was kind of brought together by Northeast Screen, um, formerly Northern Film and Media, working with all of the um, the um, local authorities in the area on this massive bid to, to build um, a huge studio, which will be bigger than Pinewood in Sunderland. Wow. <laughs> Basically Hollywood by the North Sea. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, we're all going to look like somebody out of Geordie Shaw very soon. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's absolutely incredible. Not not only for the screen industry and all of the careers that that will open up, but the supply chains as well, which are obviously the creative industries are all part of. Whether it be, you know, costumes or catering or whatever else it might be, you know, there's going to be so so much opportunity. Um, and I think the timescales are, are quite soon. So generate a union. Ad- doing a lot of work with Northeast Screen um, and generator more widely working on, on, a, on a kind of skills program that will link into the screen industry as well. So really exciting times. So I keep saying to my kids, you just don't know how lucky you are. <laughs> yeah. By the time you're ready to go go and 
start your career somewhere. There's going to be so many options up here for you. Um, and yeah, but Ryan just wants to be a footballer. So, yeah. That's bad. Well, so do I, to be honest, Emma. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I quite think there, I, yes. <laughs> when I came back from the Generator Union launch event, that's one of the things that like Albie was like, oh, so where you been tonight? And I was sort of explaining to him about all of the um, exciting opportunities that um, you know, the kids have. I felt a bit guilty actually for taking them to rugby and to football and to all these sports. And it's kind of, like, you know, there's so much, so much more you can do in the creative industries, isn't it? The creative sectors that kids can get involved in and enjoy. Yeah. I think drama and acting as well. So for anything that's set in the northeast that I watch on television, I, I, I do get um, uh, a little bit down about the the, the dreadful Geordie accents you hear, and I just think I, I don't know anybody who talks like that. I don't well, think anybody can properly do a, a true Geordie accent if they don't. My my kids are true Geordies. Everybody always thinks it's hilarious because especially my daughter, I don't know, I don't know how they are such strong Geordies, but they really are. <laughs> and all of my friends down south, they're like, How are these children yours? They sound absolutely nothing like you. <laughs> but yeah. You want a couple of real Geordies, Dave? There they are. Yeah, send an order about it. I'll say. I'm conscious the clock is ticking. Um, if you had one piece of advice for our audience, um, which isn't just join Generate Union, what would that be? Um, I would say. So this this links into one of the bugbears that I always have. Don't worry if you don't know what you want to do for a career when you're 16, when you're 20, when you're 25, it doesn't matter. Don't worry if you didn't go to university. You don't need to. You don't need to. Although I do hope that my children rebel against me and go to university, but there we go. Um, I just feel like there's so much pressure on kids these days to know what they want to do, to have a career path set out for them. And that didn't happen for me. And I didn't really put my, my big girl boots on until I was probably you know, really late 20s and started thinking, oh, God, I better start thinking about what kind of career that I want to do. And, you know, it didn't do me any harm. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the one thing I would say. Don't feel like you have to plan your life out from when you leave school, because do you know what? Everything changes anyway. Totally in agreement, Emma. So uh, I've got no degree and I had a career in first in banking and then as a programmer and in tech until at the age of 44 I decided to start an accountancy practice. Oh, interesting. So, so, so there you go. It's, yeah. uh, it's, you can pivot. Um, we, we, we kind of have the same just to finish off on that. Um, that really resonates because oh. we, we're trying to do career development plans with the team of Blue Sky oh, yeah. um, and a lot of the younger ones it's kind of they don't really know where they want to be and, and, and the answer is don't fixate on a job title or specific role just be better at communicating, be better at people, be better at embracing and driving change because that's what your life's going to be about anyway yes yeah absolutely amazing advice like be just going out there seeing the world doing different things you know it really prepares you for change and change is a constant as yeah. much as that is an oxymoron or one of those other words because it is there's been so much change especially well at both at generator union at festival of thrift there's been so much change and somebody asked me the other day how i felt about it and i said oh, i'll just kind of get on with it i actually embrace change i kind of it, it kind of what drives me forward having to think about different things and 
I'm not going to say the pivot word again, um, but having to think about new ways of doing things and uh, new directions. And, you know, I think that just prepares you so much for the things that come along if you, you know, are willing to just embrace things and say yes to things as well. Mm, I agree with that. Brilliant. I think um, if we've no more to throw in, I think we'll call that a day. Emma, thank you very much for your time. Yeah, oh, Emma, thank you. Thanks for saying yes to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you are welcome. Yeah. It's been a Cheers, joy. Sir. Yeah, goodbye. Thank you.